Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Into the Word of God today, we'll do our offering and our um, announcements at the end. I just feel like God is wanting to do something in this place, something that only he can do. I'm just so thankful that we get to be in the house of God tonight and feel this wonderful, powerful presence of God. It's here. It's, it's, it's here. The, the presence of God is in this place. It's what we do with it that matters. It's how we respond to the presence of God that makes all the difference. Because His presence is here. His presence is ready to do the work in our lives. But we have to be willing to open up our hearts. Not just in the throwing it out there just like a just a phrase, give him our hearts, but really, truly, everything that we're holding on to, everything we brought into this house, God is not here just to be here, but he's here to take some things with him away from us, some anxieties, some aches and pains that we've been dealing with. And he wants to give us life. He wants to give us hope. And that's all in his presence. <laughs> That's all in his presence. There is truly fullness of joy in the presence of God. There's, the Bible says that uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's how we find the strength that we need to be able to make it through life's trials, circumstances, pains and heartaches. It is getting into the joy of the Lord, which comes from the presence of the Lord. So we got to have it. We got to have it. If you're dead and dry today, if you're feeling the weight of the world, if you're feeling uh, just like your bones are just, just completely dry and you don't feel anything else but just that feeling of emptiness, God has got you tonight. God wants to refresh you. So thankful for that. Well, I want to get into it today. Um, I, I, I just have a simple thought that God put into my heart, that God's been dealing with me. And this really just goes back to the whole idea that we've been um, talking about um, in different lessons and, and things. Um, and Sister Lonnie did a series on, on bearing fruit and growing fruit. And that's a little bit about just adding on top of that. That God has just been just keeping it in my heart that that's what it's really all about. And that comes from spending time with Jesus in his presence, growing that fruit. Well, um, I was looking at uh, some interesting things about um, how fruit is grown in areas and places where it's so dry and in areas and places where it's not really ideal to grow fruit. These barren places, these places where um, it may be too cold, it may be too dry, or it's not a good season. It doesn't seem like a good time for something to grow. But God wants us to know that in our lives, Every season is a season of growth. Every season that we go through, we can grow in. That we can bear fruit in every season of our life. Doesn't matter if it's a winter season. Doesn't matter if it's a summer season or if it's dry. It doesn't matter what's going on in our circumstances, in our seasons of life. Whether we're running around with five, six different uh, children that we're raising 
I don't know if there's any any with that many in here today. Um, but we know that God wants us to grow. And if he wants us to grow, then he's going to provide a way for us to grow. And we are meant to bear fruit. We are meant to give life to this, to this world that is, is lost and empty. And so we have to learn how to grow fruit. But with that, we sometimes make excuses in our minds as to why we can't grow fruit or why it's not a good time to work on these things that God's dealing with us because it's not the right season, because it's not the right climate, because things in life are hitting us so hard and buffeting us that we just don't feel like it's a moment where we could ever grow or connect with God. But God has other ideas. God wants us to grow in every season. There is a place in Spain called Almeria, and it is a place that's off the coast of the, the Mediterranean part of Spain. And this spot can actually be seen from space, and it's full of greenhouses. It's about 42,000 acres of greenhouses. And it can actually be seen from space. It almost looks like a picture of a, a snowy area because there's so many white-covered greenhouses. More than half of the fruits and vegetables in Europe actually grow in this one area. And 35 years ago, this was a barren land. Has anybody heard of uh, Spaghetti Westerns? The, the old movies from, I think, the 60s and 70s that were actually made in Italy, but everybody thought they were made in America. They were actually, a lot of them were made in this area because it was so dry that they would hardly get any rainfall all year. But now it is a place that is thriving with growing most of Europe's fruits and vegetables, and it is a $1.5 billion annual revenue industry. All because they figured out a way to grow in the midst of the dryness, in the midst of the barrenness, in the midst of this place that seemed useless other than to give, you know, a good shot of a guy gunning down someone else in a desert uh, in, in the background. That's all it was good for. They're pro- they probably couldn't even grow spaghetti there. And if you believe that spaghetti's grown on trees, then you probably should Google it. <laughs> they, they grow the sauce there now, though. They do grow the sauce. You just got to mash it and blend it and whatever. But there are greenhouses that completely cover this area. And it's, it's, the pictures are wild. I mean, it's like as far as the eye can see, you are looking at greenhouses. And they found a way. They found a way to make it grow in the middle of that. How many of you know that the church is a place of growth? The church is a place where we are meant to grow in. We are meant to become stronger mightier in Christ, wiser in, in his ways and in understanding his word and his promises. We're supposed to grow in faith, supposed to grow in, in our just understanding about his love and who he is and who we are in Christ. The church is a greenhouse. The church is a place in every season that you can grow in. It's an atmosphere that's designed to help growth in every single storm, every single circumstance, every single situation. Now, there's a term that's used a lot called the greenhouse effect. And I guess if I titled this anything, it would be the greenhouse effect. Sorry, Brother Arnold, that I didn't text you wherever you are. (laughs) Oh, he's typing it in now, probably. (laughs) But uh, there's a thing called the greenhouse effect, and it's definitely talked about 
now that we uh, have a lot of global warming talk in the news and all of that. But it is a term that is a scientific thing that happens. And basically, uh, from what I understand, the sun is shining upon the earth. It's letting light in. It's, it's shining on the earth, and this greenhouse effect allows sunlight to pass through the atmosphere and heat the planet. But then it absorbs and re-radiates the infrared radiation or the heat that the planet emits. So it actually allows, it actually, uh, um, what is the word, is it diffract, diffracts light? the gases on the planet, but it also holds in the rest of the light that is needed. So this, this greenhouse effect is an important part of, of the earth. It's an important part of, of how things can grow. And it's not necessarily the same as an actual greenhouse. It doesn't work exactly the same way. But the greenhouse is designed to allow light in and to allow an atmosphere, a place where life can grow, where life can be produced, no matter what season. It allows that light, or if we want to put it in the terms that I'm talking about, the light of, of the truth of God to shine in. But it's that spirit of God that holds it into that place and that atmosphere it's the Spirit of God that keeps it and locks it in for the use of us and our growth. We, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. I'm not talking about this building in particular, but I'm talking about us as the church, the body of Christ, can grow in every situation. In every circumstance. If we look at the, at, the, at the meaning of the word church in the New Testament. I'm sure some of you are familiar with this word. But it's ecclesia. Is the Greek word. Ecclesia. And that word means basically called out. We are called out. We are called out of this world. We're called out from the life we once lived. And we are called and chosen for Christ's, for Christ's benefit in the kingdom of God. We are the church. We are the called and the chosen ones. Another definition of Ecclesia is those who anywhere in a city, in a village constitute such a company and are united into one body. The church is a unified body. The church is a place where there is unity, where there is that same likeness and mindset that we are all pursuing Christ. We are growing in Christ. We are growing together and we are growing to God. That is what the church looks like, is where we can become everything that God called us to be. And that requires a lot of work. That requires a lot of, of decision making. And it requires more than anything spending time in the presence of God. That we can change, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what's good, what's acceptable, what is perfect in the will of God. But we, like I said, make excuses sometimes that we can't grow in this season. Or the sins that we did are too troubling for us to be able to get past in order to grow in this part of our life. We just can't let this part go of, of somebody that wronged us. We have this bitterness we can't let go of because somebody said something terrible to us and we can't forgive them so we can't grow in love because we're holding on to something that's bitter there may be seasons in your life where you just feel so busy that you just don't have time to grow 
you just don't have time to wait upon the Lord anymore. You don't have time to get into that atmosphere where his, his word can shine through your life and his spirit can illuminate what, it's, what, it's trying to, what God's trying to say to you through his word. But God is, is throwing all those excuses out today. And we're throwing all those excuses out today. There's, there's no excuse for not growing. All of us can grow in every season of our life. And, and it depends on what we do with what we've got. It depends on our reaction when the presence of God is moving. When the word of God is, is, is being prompted for us to read. When God's spirit is, is knocking on the door of our life. What we do with those moments is going to matter. It's going to cause growth when we hear, adhere to the word of God. This may not be the church, this building. We may be the church. And we are so thankful for this building and this place that we have to assemble together. But if this is taken away from us, if this is, is, is completely removed from our life, we still are the church. We still are the body of Christ. We can look at the news and we can see uh, all that's going on in Ukraine. We can see all that's going on in other parts of the world where they tried to shut down the, the body of Christ. They tried to shut down the churches. Or maybe they, that wasn't their intention, but that's what happened when they started bombing their cities. And so, what choice do they have if their church is bombed? What other decisions can they make to, to find a place of growth without a church building, without a place to assemble? That's why God has allowed us to be the church wherever we go and whatever we do. Because there is that possibility of growth and that possibility of pouring into others' lives. No matter if we're sitting at a table with them just sharing some coffee or if we're... Um, babysitting a child and pouring the word of God into their life or whether we are going into our job that we don't really necessarily like but we come in with joy and we choose to be joyful that day and we choose to lean upon the peace of God in those moments where stress is rising those are moments and times of growth where that greenhouse effect can come into play in our lives where the the word of God and the spirit of God are colliding and making growth happen. <clears throat> you can't tell, um, and maybe, maybe there's a scientific way of doing it, but to the naked eye, no one can tell from looking at a seed how much life and growth that seed will produce. You can't look at the seed, you, you can't look at that, that moment at the altar and that death that takes place to, to just know how, how much they're going to produce in their life. It's not about just that moment, but it's about every step afterwards. It is a powerful, just amazing thing to lay your life at the altar before God. And it's something that all of us need. Something Brother Ron talked about, shedding tears. Just, it, it, it's not something that you can just pray some written prayer and find that, that freedom and find that deliverance and find that, that surrender. No, it's, it's, it's so much more than that. It's God unraveling some things and some layers in your life as you lay them down. But when you die, when you see that seed, and if you were going to grow something and you're looking at a seed, you know that there might be a seed a little bigger than another one. You might think maybe that one will produce something bigger. Maybe this apple will be bigger than the other one or, or, or whatever. But you can't really tell from the naked eye if a seed is going to produce something successful just by looking at the seed itself. There's no way to tell how large or how healthy or how delicious a fruit's going to be just by looking at that seed. But it's in that daily interest that the gardener has in developing that fruit. That's where that comes from. 
where the growth happens. It's that daily commitment to investing into that, that, that fruit's final form and its final, um, what, what it ends up becoming at the end. That's, that, that commitment that the gardener has and the commitment that the, that the person that's growing these, these orchards and stuff have, that's where you're going to see growth. You can look at a gardener and, and the way that they um, carry themselves and the way they think about their garden and the way they um, plan ahead and the way that they, they, they um, go through the soil at the right season and they, they dig up all of the hard soil and they prepare the ground, that fallow ground. You can tell by the way they walk and the way they talk. You can tell by their hands being dirty and their knees being dirty from being on the ground and pulling weeds all day. It's a daily walk to grow. And that's what we are called to do and to be in every season. We can do that. But it's not just one moment that's going to change everything. It's that commitment to seeking God. To looking at your soil and making sure that you are taking care of your own soil, not other people's soil. Let them take care of their soil, and you pray for their soil. But at the end of the day, we're all just dirt, right? So there's no reason to be impressed with someone else's dirt. Just because they got Colorado red whatever. I'm making stuff up up here. I really don't know anything about soil. If you want to know about soil, go to the Science Center. They have a whole display on soil. I've sat there and read about five or six of them, and then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> All I need to know is this one's brown, and that one's black, and that one's red. So, But soil is, is definitely something that we have to have to grow. Let me give you a godly example in the Bible about somebody who didn't worry about the circumstances they were in, didn't worry about if God was speaking at that time to, to the prophets or not. They chose to seek God and to, and to, and to grow and to give everything no matter what the season they were dealing with. In 1 Samuel 1, 1 and 2, it says, There was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, an Ephrathite. He had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And skip down to verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 20. It says, and her rival, the other, the other wife, rival wife, used, um, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it didn't seem like a season in her life of fruitfulness, did it? It says, so it went on year by year, and often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Sometimes uh, our adversaries can really drive us to a place of tenderness, a place where we're desperate. We have a desperation for God. Next time you go to curse the person that's uh, causing you problems all the time, maybe God is using them to help shape you. It says, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Must have been a good husband. After they had eaten and, and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat 
beside the doorposts of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. She got specific. She wanted a son. Uh, when was the last time we prayed that specific? Now I'll just take a kid. Just one or the other. No, but I believe her prayers were directed by God. And then God, God was helping her to speak some things that were deep in her heart and in the heart of God. But she vowed that vow and said that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Well, I will say, um, I know Eli was the man of God, but it doesn't sound like he was very uh, good at discerning. It looks like he was uh, looking around uh, <laughs> and uh, trying to figure it out without the Spirit of God directing him. Now, that doesn't mean that um, he, he wasn't, you know, right with God or God couldn't use him, but it looks like in this moment he was definitely uh, not very perceptive on what God was doing. So Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. Wow, not only did he, he judge her, but he, he called her out. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty tough. That's, that's rough. Put your wine away from you. How dare you bring something to sip on in the house of God? I mean, you're just going to just, just get completely wasted and start praying. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's amazing. He really thought that's what she was doing. A lot of times, people are conditioned because it's happened before. So, <laughs> maybe someone else came there uh, drinking some wine and praying. It says, but Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. So she was probably so incoherent almost and blocked out the world that like a drunk person, it just didn't matter to her who seen her, what she looked like, what she was doing. It was that desperation in her heart. That all, that's all that mattered to her. You know, we, we have to get past this place where we have to feel polished. We have to feel like we have to look a certain way or worship a certain way or um, raise our hands at the right moments. You know, we have to get past this, this thing where worship's all about us. I, I can't believe God would make worship about him. You know? How dare he make worship about himself? And, and we, you know, we, we all do it sometimes, unknowingly. You know, we, we, we just are focused upon what we're doing. We're focused upon what other people are thinking. We're looking at dirt, and we're just dirt ourselves. And we're just, you know, we're, we're getting ourselves into a mess. And, and then God is sitting there waiting for us to worship him and praise him and just cast everything out out of the way so he can do what he wants to do in a, in a service or in a moment. And we're just getting hung up on what, it, what would they think? What would this person think? And I, I'm guilty right here. I'm guilty. But this Hannah, she, she felt nothing else um, about 
what other people thought about her. She didn't think anything about that. All she thought about was that God has the answer, and I need the answer, and I'm desperate. I'm desperate for this seed that I plant, this seed that's dead and dry and nothing, to grow into something powerful. That was her desire, that God would take that, that moment and do something with it. It didn't matter the season. It didn't matter that she was barren in that season of dryness. It didn't matter if the man of God in her life wasn't even discern, discerning well with, with the spirit of God and what, the, what God was trying to do. She went to the altar. She poured out her heart before the Lord. She made that vow and that commitment. She said, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace and the God of Israel grant you petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. So she not only did she pour out her heart before the Lord, but when the Lord spoke through the man of God, she didn't say, oh, I'll think about it. Maybe that could happen. Maybe I'll go see the doctor first and see if, you know, maybe something's changed. Do an x-ray. See if that spot disappeared. See if, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but she had such a great faith that in that moment, she said, okay, I believe it. I'm going to go eat now. I'm going to stop crying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like a person who believes this. I'm going to choose to believe, though I don't see anything, though I don't see the results of that. But she chose to believe the word of God that came from the man of God. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. <clears throat> Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And it says, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house of Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And so... It happened. There was life. It was produced. And it started at the house of God. It started at a place where God's presence was, where, where nothing else mattered to her but to just lay it all down and to plant this seed and watch God do something with it. It, it may be all that you have is just something small, something that you can't really measure what greatness lies within it. But God wants to take what we have and he wants it to grow. It may not look like much. It may not look like something pretty even. It, it may not look like something that you may think anybody would find useful. But there is coming a point and a time if you stay in the presence of God, if you let yourself plant that seed that God is going to allow things to grow in your life, and you are going to see what it will become. But it takes that daily walk. It takes that daily living in the Spirit, choosing growth in every season. <clears throat> so not only did Hannah, though, it goes on to say, uh, not only did she make a vow, give the seed, pour out her heart in a moment, and give everything, but she raised a man of God. She raised her dream. She raised this fruit. She weaned it. She helped it grow. She probably provided clothes for it, made clothes I believe there's a scripture that talks about her bringing um, a coat to him once a year when he was um, put in the house of God. But she made the commitment not only to raise this and to grow it, but at that moment when it really mattered to give it 
to choose to give what she promised God she would give. Some of us have gifts that God has grown within us and God has developed and we've allowed them to be developed, but we haven't allowed ourselves to give it out. We haven't allowed ourselves to open up our mouths or open up our hands and our hearts to give what we have been given. That's the church. That's what the church looks like in action is helping others grow and helping others develop. There's something growing inside of us that this world needs. I used to say this um, to the youth when I would uh, teach out there, that when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, that it has seeds inside of it. And when others take the seeds, take the fruit, they're taking the seed. There's things being planted in lives and hearts whenever the fruit of the Spirit is produced in our lives. And so that, that's what it's about, the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives, the things of God growing in our hearts. And this season that, that Hannah was in, the word of the Lord, it, it says in, in a later scripture in, in verse, or in chapter 2, I think it was, or 3, it says the word of the Lord was rare in this season. There was no frequent or open visions. I tell you what, this church is blessed. There are plenty of churches out there that haven't heard the voice of God probably since their existence. You know, maybe they shouldn't have even been made to begin with because somebody wasn't listening to the voice of God. You know, there are churches that don't have what we have. You know, we, we might get comfortable with, you know, the supernatural in this place. We might get comfortable with prophecies and visions and people sharing what God is doing in their life we might get comfortable with with that but that is that is something that we we can't take for granted it's something that is our foundation of this church this 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 church in the season that we're we're going into the season where we have to make the decisions and we have to reach out these are moments that that, that are powered by that, that acceleration of what we have experienced, what we have felt as a church, what we have been a part of as a church. What's going to accelerate that, that, that us reaching out is to look back and to see what God has done and to see that God has worked through other people, that he can also work through me. But this season that Hannah was in, she's seen... She knew there was no, no open vision. She knew there was the word of God was rare. So who knows how long it had been since God had spoke to anybody till Eli had spoken that word. And who, know, who knows how long it was until God spoke again. The priest had no discernment, thought Hannah was drunk, could not perceive the evil in the house of God, out of his own children. Eli's sons were wicked and evil. They were stealing. They were taking more than what belonged to them. They were using the house of God as wickedness. They were using it as as a way to gain. They were using their positions as a way to gain instead of give. That was the season of Hannah's life. It even says that Eli esteemed his own children more than the sacrifices of God. It says that in 1 Samuel 2.29. He esteemed his children enough more than the sacrifices of God and the sacredness of those sacrifices. That is the climate that Hannah was living in. Thank God that we don't have that in this place. Thank God that we have integrity in our ministry team. Thank God that we have the word of God that is preached without being held back or being corrupted. And I feel like that if anybody would uh, say the wrong thing up here, that, you know, there would probably be a conversation. (laughs) 
I believe that the word of God is sacred, and this church does too, and I'm thankful for that, that it's, it's, it's a, it's a life-changing thing. And so we are living in this atmosphere, this where the power of God is, is, is relevant in our lives, where the presence of God is, is readily available in our lives, and the word of God is not withheld from us. But Hannah didn't have that luxury. Hannah didn't have those blessings, but she still chose to grow in this place, in this moment where it didn't seem like a right time. It didn't seem like a good time for growth. There were those outside of the greenhouse. There was Eli, there was Hophni, there was Phineas. They were outside of the greenhouse. They were outside of, of the word of God. They were outside of, of the presence of God. The, the sacrifices, they were tainted by wickedness. They used the ark without knowing the God of that covenant. They didn't know, they probably didn't even know why the things, why the law was in, in the ark and, and why the manna was in the ark and why the, the certainly not the rod that was budded I'm sure they didn't know why that was in there. Because that was in there to represent God's authority. Because if we look at it in the um, Old Testament, in it's either uh, Leviticus or Numbers, Deuteronomy, one of those, where God is, is trying to tell the people who the man of God is, who he chooses. They put up the staffs of the leaders, and Aaron's staff was there. And in the morning they came out, and his had budded, showing that God chose that leader to be the one that leads the people. And people were swallowed up instantly because of that, because they were trying to go against godly authority, and God destroyed Hophni and Phinehas for the same thing for misusing that godly authority. And so we got to know we got to know why we do what we do. We got to know the God that we serve. Not only in theory or in knowledge, but in covenant. We got to know him in covenant. Hannah and Samuel, they were inside the greenhouse. They chose to allow the growth to take place in their lives. God even said that I'm raising up a man of God. Samuel, he was talking about Samuel. I'm raising up this, this man of God that will not withhold the word of God from the people. Hannah brought a sacrifice that day. Her and her husband brought a sacrifice, but she was really the sacrifice. And she raised a sacrifice. And that made all the difference, is that sacrifice, but not just stopping at giving a sacrifice to God, but letting the things that God has put in you grow. The promise of God, letting that grow. And it has to be in the house of God, because we are the house of God. We are the church. And that's where our growth can take place. The real growth happens outside of these four walls. The real growth happens at your table, at your break table, at work. It happens in those small moments when you're mopping the floor and you, you, have to, you know you have to clean the bathrooms and you know you have to vacuum and you know you have to you know, wash the windows and all this stuff that you have to do. But yet you're praying and yet you're talking to God and you're casting your cares upon him and your hands may be busy but your heart is at a place of peace because God's presence is with you that's those seasons and those moments or that's those moments of growth we don't have to look at the season we don't have to look at the barrenness or the emptiness that's all around us we don't have to look at, at this world that is so confused that everything, that every bit of wind comes by and blows them over. 
We're safe in the greenhouse. We're safe in that place, in that environment of growth. And we got to stay there. We got to stay there. David said in, in Psalms chapter 1, he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. We can keep growing in the word of God. We can keep growing in the delight of the law of the Lord. Day and night, we can meditate upon it. Day and night, we can, we can put our focus upon the word of God. What, what did David do when he was running from Saul? He didn't have a, a, a house of God that he could always run to. He didn't always have a place of refuge. It could have been a cave sometimes. It could have been a, a, a shelter. It could have been somewhere out in the woods. But David had it in his heart and he said things like, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. He said, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How could he say these things in moments and seasons where he lost his child because of a sin? He's seen thousands of people destroyed because of the sin that he did. But yet he, he knew he knew that being in the presence of God was the only thing that could make him through or get him through certain seasons. That's how he could say scriptures like, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. He says in Psalms 92, 12 through 15, he says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit. Even in old age, they bear fruit. Even the seasons where you're losing your ability to do certain things you were able to do before, where maybe somebody has to take care of you sometimes, or maybe you're getting weak, maybe you're getting a little more feeble, maybe you have to have help sometimes, you still can bear fruit even in your old age. That's what David's saying. In every season of his life, he realized that the presence of God, the house of God, it's right here within him. When God's presence is within him, that's where he can be in the house of God. He can find that greenhouse, that safe place. He said, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. It just goes on and on and on, David, realizing that there's no obstacle, no season in his life that can't be overcome or that can't overcome his growth in God. And I know tonight that we all have a desire to grow. We all have a desire to see God do something in our lives. And maybe we don't know how to put it into words and maybe we don't know how to get things started. But I promise you that if you take one step, God is going to maximize that step. This season that we are in right now, God has promised us if we bring one, he'll bring what, three? I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some good odds there. That's some good odds that we are going to grow. But we got to put in the work and we got to walk in the spirit. Walk in that place with God every day. We got to be the church. And we, we, we have no excuses. 
We have no excuses for the season we're in because God's right here. He is right now. He is I am. That means I will be what I will be when I will be it. That means that whatever you need, I will be that when you need it. It's so open-ended that it could be anything that you would ever need or ever desire. That is God. And that is how growth takes place. Being close to the presence of God. Well, I want us to stand tonight. I want us to pray. I don't want us to pray that God would take away the season we're in. Because the season we're in is good for us. And I promise you right now that if I could leave this podium, grab my family, get on a plane, and fly to Sweden, I would do it. It's not always ideal to be in the season that God chooses for us, it's not ideal sometimes. Sister Connie, it's not ideal to go through what you've been going through for the last few years. It's not, it's not something that you would have chosen on your own. But God has a plan. God is, is growing something in your life and in your family's life. And nothing can take that away. You just got to stay close to the presence of God. And let all those things just wash away. Because God is in this place, and he wants to do something. So why don't we just not, not pray against the season, not pray against the things that we can't really control. But let's just pray that God would just plant us in the greenhouse, plant us in this place where we can grow, where we can stay close and committed to his presence. And just give everything that you have, even if it, it's microscopic, just give it to the Lord tonight. Lord, thank you.